Uh, I'm going to use this first fruit because today as I teach it, I want you to understand how it connects you to the apostolic. Alignment is a very key thing. The further we go into this new era, the new era began a year ago on February the 21st, the day that Billy Graham graduated into heaven. It had been prophesied by Benny Hinn. It had been prophesied by Rodney Howard Brown. It had been prophesied by Kenneth Copeland. It had been prophesied by Kim Clement. It had been prophesied by Chuck Pierce. It had been prophesied by Clay Nash. It had been prophesied by Dutch Sheets, others, that there was a new era coming. And when it did, we transitioned into this new era. And alignment is more strategic and crucial at this time in the new era than it's ever been. And so it's important. But before I go into this teaching here, I want to just lay out a few things to difference. See, the tithe, everybody say the tithe is not just 10%, it's the first 10%. Remember, you, listen, that's real key, the first 10%. It's not an afterthought, it's a pre-thought. Amen? It, it, it's important to understand that. Whereas the first fruits is a significant, significantly sacrificial offering of the harvest you desire. The tithe is 10% of the harvest you have in the barn. But first fruits is a significant sacrificial portion of, of what you have in your barns for a future harvest. It, it, it's all about the completed harvest. First fruits operates like an insurance policy. Uh, Miss Susan, right before we left on our 46th anniversary trip, got a new vehicle. She, amen. She'd been wanting a smaller SUV, and the other one had a lot of miles on it. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we set our heart and began to look, and we found it, and beautiful uh, situation the way it all worked out for us and everything with that. But the, the point I want you to catch is, you have to set your heart for things, you got to believe for things, and you have to sow for things. How many of you want to see your harvest completed? Yes. Amen? Well, and the insurance that we carry on her, her new GMC terrain, if somebody backs into it or we back into someone or what that, it pays after it comes. But First Fruit operates as an insurance policy which rebukes the devourer for your sake. You know, I, we were talking about this the other day. We travel hundreds of thousands of miles in vehicles. I mean, her car had well over almost 150,000 miles on her Tahoe. My new truck that I got just a year ago had 8,000 miles on it. It's now got 78,000 miles on it. I know that this last year we put 40,000 miles on the motorhome, 38,000 I think it is. Are you hearing me? So... And, you know, we were talking about that. We don't ever see accidents. I'm not talking about us in Boston. We didn't even see them. We don't, we don't see them happen. We don't have close calls. We believe that God rebukes the devourer for your sake. Now, listen. Yes, a few years ago, headed to a service here, someone hit me at 55 miles an hour when I was sitting still in Goodman Road, right up by uh, Sweeney, I think it was, and someone ran in the back of us and, and hit us because they were texting and going down the road, wasn't paying attention. Are you hearing me? So, I, I, 
you know, the, the beautiful part about it was we weren't hurt. Wasn't hurt. And the, the second thing I found out, when you're hit from behind and driven into a vehicle in front of you, airbags do not work. I hit the steering wheel so hard, it knocked the breath out of me. I rolled out, and then all that powder, I don't, I don't understand it. Something went off to the airbags. They just never did come out. Came into the car. There was smoke in the car, and I thought it was... Um, uh, on fire and I rode out into the street but I wasn't hurt he still rebuked the devourer for our sake are you hearing me and so the the first 10 percent is of the harvest you have in the barns a sacrificial significant portion of the harvest you have in the barn for a new harvest are you hearing me a completed harvest so it's important to understand that now let's go to the next slide I'm gonna just preach this off the slide with that Apostolic, godly apostolic alignment through first fruits. The alignment with the apostolic is accomplished through the principle of first fruits. Next one. With our finances, we develop and duplicate spiritual realities. How many of you realize your giving of money has spiritual has a spiritual voice in heaven and has spiritual emphasis that it brings forth? Listen, I, I have to tell you, over the years, when we see people that are, that are continuously sick and fighting the spirit of infirmity, families, we go and check their giving records, and 100% of the time, they are not giving. They're not tithing, they're not giving offerings. He says, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse, and, uh, and he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. This has got me thrown off a little bit, Matt. Is that, that's not the one I sent you. There, it's, it's the color gone behind it because it's not matching to mine here. Okay, all right. You don't know how that works against someone that's got a photographic memory because <laughs> I stuck with it. I just want to make a comment about how our finances are attached with spiritual realities. What God showed me was finances are attached to your heart your heart is a very spiritual entity because that is what connects you with god and what is in your heart determines what spiritual comes out of you and so if you don't believe that every time we say let's take up an offering what does your heart do i love to give offerings because I understand when I give offerings, it's about having a, a, a greater harvest. The second thing, money produces alignment that releases blessings for breakthrough. How many of you are ready for breakthrough? In Hebrews 7, 1 through 7, it says, For this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth, part of all in other words he tied them first being translated king of righteousness then also king of salem meaning king of peace who was without father without mother without genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life but made like the son of god remains a priest continually now consider how great this man was to even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. 
Melchizedek represents the priesthood. There's something beyond the fivefold. We're a fivefold church. We believe in apostles. We believe in prophets. We believe in evangelists. We believe in shepherds, and we believe in teachers. But there's something beyond the fivefold, and that is the, the Melchizedek priesthood. That's what you're being matured into. See, if, if apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are for the aligning, the perfecting, the equipping of the saints, once we get you equipped, we're not needed. Boy, that was quiet. See, y'all have sat under so much traditional denominational teaching, it's hard for you to believe that. But he wants to bring us in. And indeed, let, let's go to, uh, uh, man, this is throwing me off. I'm going to have to watch mine and everything because I've stud studied off of this. Indeed, those who are the sons of Levite receive the priesthood and have a commandment to receive tithes from the people. I'm reading out of Hebrews 7, 1 through 7, okay? Have, uh, receive, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had promises. Number one, Abraham brought himself into alignment with Melchizedek with the tithe. Melchizedek was allowed the privilege of blessing or empowering the promises that Abraham did. See, I believe today there are promises that some of you have that God has given you that your giving of first fruits today is going to release those promises. Amen? We believe that. I'm going to, I'm going to try to find a word here. Uh, if I can, and just read to you that were just sent to me. Give me just a second here. This was just sent to me on Friday, I think it was. It said, the Lord said, this is the time to come into your Cyrus anointing and declare and decree and demand that all inheritance that was stolen from you and your dad's life, y'all know that a medical malpractice took my dad's life prematurely, all that was stolen from you and your dad's life that was stolen which was and what, what was lost as a result of the premature death be repaid with interest now. And I want to tell you, I say heaven yes. Amen? I come in agreement with that word. Someone was, was, was in prayer, they heard that word, I've sent it out to my presbytery of people. They said, yes, we believe that's a word. I'm not caught up on the fact of things that was lost about it. And because I wasn't uh, being held captive by what could have been, should have been, then I was able to move into it. But see, uh, his genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had promises. Now let's talk about impartation. Go to that that slide there. Keep going. Impartation. See, we've cheapened the value of impartation. As an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a shepherd or teacher, we are there to impart to you. We've cheapened it down to a place. It's important that our alignment is right because we catch what we align with. Amen. I, I don't know if, if, you know, what Matt said that Natalie has said today, but the more I'm around Dutch Sheets, the more governmental. I'm having a difficult time 
anymore when I go out to preach. I'm not the revivalist I used to be because I'm, I'm interested in pulling down principalities. I, you know, my discernment has gone to a whole other level of, of being able to discern what, who the, the principalities or the strongholds that's over an area. See, there is no impartation without alignment. Don't you catch that? There's no impartation. Think about Elijah and Elisha. Think about Moses and Joshua. Think about Paul and Timothy. Next slide. Abraham brought himself first into alignment with Melchizedek with the honor that was done by the giving of his finances. You know, we had a family leave this church because I used to say, you can't tell me that you're in alignment with me and you're in covenant with me if you're not willing to be a tither and offering giver. And people get offended by that. Now, you can walk in a relationship with me. Let me, let me just tell you, husband and wife, <clears throat> a husband and wife who have two separate checking accounts, are they really in alignment? Ooh, I'm plowing close to the corn now. Are you hearing me? You know, listen, alignment is, alignment is about conquest and, and alignment is about the power of agreement. And if I can't trust Susan to, to be on, in part of my checking account, now, I, you know, I, I'm not talking about, I'm not speaking against having multiple checking accounts or where you move money over into but, you know, if you're going to have your checking account where you can go spend what you want to and she has her where she can spend what she wants to, maybe you need to look whether or not you're really aligned together. Ooh, it's quiet in here today. <laughs> yeah, finances are a spiritual entity. And let me just tell you, most of the people that struggle in finances are people who don't have the agreement of their spouse. Are you hearing me? You know, you know, we, we understand that. See, it's impossible to show honor without involving finances. You know that when he said, eat of any tree in the garden, don't eat of this one, it had nothing to do with the fact that it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He created that tree. It was all about honor. Are you going to honor me? And when he, when he expects us, to release the first 10%, which is the tithe, and anything above that's an offering, and there are different offerings. There's heave offerings, there's first fruits offerings, there's many offerings, but when we do that, we do it out of honor. I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe, and I honor him with my tithe. I don't have to give first fruits. I get to give first fruits, and I honor him with my first Are you there? Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possession. And with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Are you hearing me? Those are good promises. Anybody here don't want your, your, your barn filled? Anybody don't want new wine in your life? In 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18, it said, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Everybody say double honor. That, that when you read about double portion, double honor, the nearest thing that I can tell you it means unlimited. It doesn't just mean two time, two fold. It means unlimited. 
I want to live in the unlimited provision of God, not just a double portion. Are you hearing me? Let those who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For scripture said, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the labor is worthy of his wages. Hebrews 7, 4. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth. Hebrews 7, 7. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better or by the greater. Listen, we, when you really give first fruits offering today, you must. It's absolutely essential. It's not necessary, it's essential. In the Mid South, air, condition, air conditioning is necessary. Anybody ever had your air conditioner go out? Go without electricity? You can get by a day or two, right? Take cold showers, get a big old fan. When I went out to the Amazon a few years ago in Brazil and stayed in a place that didn't have any air conditioning, some of you heard me tell, I had a, bit, had a fan in the room that would peel your skin. I was thankful for it. But every night when the conference was over, about midnight, I'd go by the table and get four cold bottles of water. And I would go to my room, and I would sleep without a sheet on, on over me, and I'd put those four bottles of water on either side of me, and it would get me to sleep every night. It was hot there. They had to change the sheets on the bed about every other day because of perspiring. Notice I used that proper word. I didn't sweat. I perspired. <laughs> Amen? See, heathens sweat. Gentlemen perspire. See, Abraham, we only honor what we esteem through revelation. See, there are people today that's part of this house that did not come today because it's first fruits. There are people right now because they believed in a prophetic word they gave themselves. They're not in a, they've decided it ain't working. There are people that decide things. You know, the, these people that had this prophetic word never came and sat with the leadership in this house. And said, you know, I, I feel like this is God, what God is saying. You know, just the other day when that word came through to me, I sent it off to those I'm accountable to. I, I felt it, I had to witness it was the word of God, but I wanted to send it to others. When I had the dream recently about speaking to Donald Trump, I got a hold of my presbytery of people first. They all said, this is a God dream. And I just got noticed last night that dream's going to be put in the hand of Paula White this week. And be given to uh, President Trump. Somebody, you know, picked it up out on the internet and saw it, and they have an interest into that situation. Are you hearing me? I, it's not about me standing before Donald Trump. It's about getting word to Donald Trump that God wants to get to him. See, Abraham wasn't so impressed with himself that he couldn't see who somebody else was. Man, you need to catch that. If there's not somebody in your life that has more legitimacy in you, then you're not properly aligned. <clears throat> Chuck Pierce used to teach, and it, it, when I first time I heard it, I got angry. You tithe the, and give offering to someone more legit than you. And I sat there in my arrogance, I thought, I'm just as legit as you are. And then I discovered 
what gives us our legitimacy. What gives you your, your legitimacy is your history. If you've got a history of being a liar, a cheater, and a thief, that's your history. But if you've got a, a history of keeping your word and being legit about it, that's your history. And we all have a legitimacy in the second heaven. The second heaven is the cosmos. It's the rim around us. It's the rim that many of us in the room don't get to look at, don't look into because God's not gifted, but it's where angels of darkness and angels of light are operating. And what, you know, the scripture says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? You've read that? Well, what it actually says there, Jesus I know and Paul, I'm getting to know. Those two words, no, I know in your Bible it says no and no, but they're two different Greek words. And so what it's actually saying, Jesus I know and Paul, I'm getting to know. In other words, by his legitimacy is being established by his history of walking uprightly as a man of God. Are you hearing me? See, the history of first fruits and the tithe are not the same. The tithe is what we give after our harvest. First fruits is what we give before our harvest. In Nehemiah 10 and 35 through 37, it says, And we made ordinances to bring the first fruit of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruits of our trees year by year to the house of the Lord. It's not something we do one time a year. We do it year by year. There are multiple times. You don't, we do first fruits here two times a year, but you don't have to wait till we're teaching first fruits to give it. You know, I, I, you know uh, have you heard on your land deal yet? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, hopefully. But Gary and them are person for his business of a large tract of land. And uh, Tate County, out in Tate County, I went with him the other day, incredible piece of land. But see, they're, the harvest is them getting that land and getting paid for. And so they're in that place of faith right now. Where are you at? And he made Orson to bring it in the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle. It is written. We brought a firstborn son a while ago. And we dedicated him to the Lord. We didn't give him. The Lord's not taking him home with him today. They're going to take him home. God's not going to change his diapers. Amen? Parents are going to change his diapers. You, you have to understand, we have a responsibility. I want to go to the next slide. Second Chronicles 31, verse 4 and 5. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priest. Are you hearing this? And the Levite, that he might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now, let me, let me stop right here and, and do something. The first fruits giving today goes to CityGate Church. We're going to reduce a little debt. We're hoping to remodel our bathrooms, finish remodeling where we've started. And we had to postpone that. There's some things we're going to remove debt. There's some things that we're going to do here. But to be true with you, totally biblically, the first fruit should go to the Aaronic priesthood, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That, that's where it should go, the first fruit. But but I, I just want you to understand, that's not, this is not going to come to me. Amen? I would love for this church to grow to where I could quit receiving a salary or support. I'd rather use the word support. And I could just live off the first fruits because it would be biblical. Amen? It would be biblical. 
But anyway, it, he devoted him to the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in an abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, honey and uh, oil and honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought it in abundantly, the tithe of everything. Are you hearing me? You got to catch this if you're going to listen. We we are in the era of alignment. You better make sure. You know something you said, Diana. This, you know, my me- my message was in my heart last night, and she said something to me about alignment. And it just further, people are looking for alignment. And you, and listen, you, you know, I just was with someone who aligned himself, and this is not any way to take away from T.D. Jakes. He's a powerful man of God, but he aligned himself with it, but he found out there was no relationship. All alignment is relational. If you can't have a relationship with those you're aligned with, then there's no alignment there. And it's the same thing in a marriage. I want to bring it back to that. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift and all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I've given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. And the best of the oil and all the best of the new wine and the grain and their first fruits which they shall offer to the Lord, I've given to them, I've given to you. Where whatever first ripe fruit is in the land, which they bring to the Lord shall be yours. You hearing that? The first fruit. You know, when I teach on first fruit from a different stance than what I am today, I say to you, the first apples on a tree carry the best seed to plant another tree. The first first wheat that ripens in the field, or soybeans, or rice, or corn, or milo, or tomatoes. You know, most of the time, what do we do? We have a tomato plant. That first one, we're so excited we got a tomato, we're going to eat it. But it's actually the strongest seed for planting another tomato plant. That's what agronomy will teach you. Whatever's ripe fruit is in the land, they bring the Lord shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Go to the next slide. The priests were to... Be honored with first fruits from the people. Listen, today, first fruits is about honor. It's not about God doing magic for you. Some of you need financial breakthroughs. Some of you need promotions. Some of you need breakthrough in ways. I mean, you know, let, let me just share. I was able to buy Susan a new vehicle. Amen. And we still owe just a, a little bit on her car. We still make payment. Let me say it that way. We, on her car, on her Tahoe, and the payment today on the new vehicle is half what the payment was on the other vehicle. And we're driving a new vehicle. And not only that, the other vehicle got about 20 or 21 miles a gallon. This one's getting 30 to 31 miles a gallon. Are are you hearing? I I want you to understand, it's not just about, you know, being blessed in, in some way. It's, it's about being blessed all the way around. That's what God wants to do. Hebrews 3.1, Jesus is the high priest and the apostle of the confession of our faith. These two terms are linked together. The high priest of the Old Testament is the reflection of the New Testament office of apostle. Everybody say that with me. The high priest of the Old Testament is the reflection of the New Testament office of the apostle. 
In Num Numbers 18:21, next slide. Behold, I've given you, I've given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they performed, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. See, the Levites were supported by the tithe of the people. That's the priestly. How many of you know we have a priesthood here in Citygate? It's you. It's all of us. Every one of us are called to be kings and priests. Teresa, you're a king and a priest. Margaret, you're a king and a priest. Natalie, you're a king and a priest. Lachey, you're a king and a priest. Are you hearing me? Jennifer, you're a king and a priest. You need to realize that there is a priesthood here. So the Levites were supported by the tithes of the people. The Levite speaks of the local church ministry. The Levite then align and honor the high priest with their tithes. Are you hearing me? We bring it into the Lord. Numbers 18, 26 through 27. Speak thus to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you, from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering, a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tenth. How many of you, don't raise your hand, answer inside, but how many of you have struggled with tithing? Don't please don't raise your hand. Well, let me just share something with you. Under the New Testament, you know, people argue whether it's today. Under the old covenant, it was three tithes. Under the new one, it's just one. That's the reason it's a new and better covenant. Are you hearing me? And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor as the fullness of the winepress. Now, go to the next slide. The tithe aligns us with the local church ministry. First fruit aligns us with the apostolic. There was a young woman visiting the service last night. I'd met her before. Incredible destiny, and God spoke to her some about alignment last night. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are, if your ministry is being a nurse, if your ministry is being a school teacher, if your ministry is being a stay-at-home mom, you need to be apostolically aligned because that alignment can bring a covering or hedge of protection around you to where the enemy cannot get to you. Swander, would you say your alignment here has bettered your life or worsened your life? Huh? Greater. She's moved into a place with it. That doesn't mean that battles won't come, but when there's true alignment with the apostolic, the authority that that apostolic carries is a, is a it strikes fear in the enemy's heart. Are you hearing me? It strikes fear in the enemy's heart. See, first fruits aligns us with the apostolic. People are not aligned unless they're functioning tithes, offerings, and first fruits. I'm waiting for that seed to get pushed way down in the soil of your heart. Let me just share with you. I give you my word that I'm not preaching to you theory. I'm preaching to you the way Susan and I live, and it works. I'm going to say that one more time. People are not aligned unless they are functioning in tithes, offerings, and first fruit. 
Next slide. The Hebrews practiced first fruits at the command of the Lord. The Lord ordained the feast of first fruits, foreshadowing the coming of Holy Spirit. Numbers 18, verse 26 says, Also, everybody say also. On the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no more customary work. Are you hearing me? <clears throat> this was the day that the New Testament calls the day of Pentecost. We're coming up. Uh, May, the Pentecost is May the 2nd through the 4th. By the way, I forgot an announcement this morning. Remember, Debbie Smith's meeting is this weekend. If you're, if you're signed up for that, be sure and be faithful to go. If for some reason you had not signed up, she might have room to where you can. You can contact Debbie Smith uh, directly. She's having an incredible conference out at the Moscow. What's it called? Moscow Place? Is that what it's called? It's going to be an incredible time. And also coming up, that's in May, uh, there's a screening day, Lifeline. And uh, you can get a health screening here at the church. And, uh, and if you want to know more about it, uh, contact the office. Dawn can let you know. Every year when they brought their first fruits offering, they were prophesying of the first fruits of the Spirit being poured out. Let me just tell you, first fruits will put you into a greater place for the outpouring of Holy Spirit. I love the song Matt and Natalie wrote, or Matt wrote, Natalie wrote, I don't know, Georgia Joy might have wrote it, but anyway, about the Holy Ghost. How, how's that song go? Matt wrote it. Got the Holy Ghost in me. Listen, if you got the Holy Ghost in you, let him out. We said this last night. Resurrection Sunday is coming up. That's next Sunday, isn't it? Next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Let me tell you what's going to happen. He's not coming out of the tomb. Are you hearing me? He's going to come out of the cage. The church has caged up the line of the tribe of Judah. I've been seeing it. He's coming out of the cage. I'm not scared of a lion in a cage. But if I was out on a safari and I heard a lion roar, I'm looking. I'm making sure my gun is full. Are you hearing me? Or if a machete's in my hand, something. Are you hearing me? In Romans 8, 23, not only that, but we also, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Listen, if you believe Holy Spirit is about first fruits, if you believe about the redemption of your body, if you believe about this grown, then you're going to practice first fruits giving. I'm not trying to shame you into it. The last thing you need to do is don't give if you... If you don't believe, but if you do, you need to give. When we practice, next slide, the first fruits, we can expect the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come. I, can, come on. I'm not being boastful. I live under a constant outpouring of Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? We, we went through a little bit of training. You know, someone blessed us years ago with a timeshare. And the timeshare company we're with got, is being consumed by another timeshare company and the whole thing's changing. And if you're going to have a gift, I mean, you know, it's like her new car. You know, I, I spent, uh, Dawn and I spent, I don't know how much time, Friday afternoon was it? Friday afternoon getting things set on it and trying to understand all the new features of it. And so we went through and come to find out the guy that was making the presentation to us <coughs> is part of a church down at... Um, in Florida, I, I just went blank, uh, where it was at, he's part of a church like ours. We meet people like this all the time. The young woman that first was making the presentation uh, to us, she comes out of a, out of a church. She knows uh, 
uh, the worship leader just went blank. But anyway, she knows a lot of people that we know. Are you hearing me? We have these divine appointments all the time. You know, we could have ended up with a snuff-dipping snuff heathen. We didn't. We ended up with people who knew. And went, you know, it's hard to tell people when they ask what, you know, what you do. I like to say it real fast. I'm a Christ-centered motivation speaker. Amen? Kind of like the time I was in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and I was shooting pool. Yeah, preacher, shoot pool. Apostle, shoot pool. I'm, uh, listen, Chuck Pierce bowls like a crazy man. Amen? Well, I shoot pool like one. And I was playing this guy, and, and, you know, I'd beat him something like 16 games. And he finally asked me, he said, what do you do back there in Memphis? I said, you don't want to know. He said, yeah, I do. I said, do you like me? He said, sure. I've never seen anybody can shoot pool like you shoot. I said, then I'm not telling you. I want you to stay, keep on liking me. And he said, you know, finally, I just get, you know, reluctant to tell me. He said, man, you must be going to tell me you're a preacher. <laughs> I said, that's why I'm not telling you. <laughs> but he, he said, man, where did a preacher learn to shoot pool like that? I said, I've not always been a preacher. <laughs> I grew up one of the businesses we had. We didn't have a pool hall. We had a farm equipment business, and in the front of it, my dad and them had a pool table because farmers would come in during the winter, the lay-by months, and they would shoot poo and hang around, and we'd sell them things. Amen? you get them all, you know, let them win a pool game or two. And my dad used to have to tell me that. said, son, it, it, you'll, you'll sell more equipment if you let them win, you know, with that. And I said, but dad, this competitive thing in me, I got I to gotta hold the table all day, you know. The secret of the Jews knew that there was no nation, no other nation practiced the first offered to the Lord. You cannot go back through history and find it. First fruit sets Christianity above all other cults and false religions out there. See, Abel offered the first and best of his flocks. The sin of Cain was not that he offered crops. Instead of a blood sacrifice, the sin of Cain was that he offered the leftovers out of preference and not out of conviction. See, I don't want you to prefer to give a first fruits today. I want you to be convicted. That's the reason we, we, uh, we teach it this way. Are you hearing me? I believe you're going to go to another level. Genesis 4, 3 through 5. And in the process of time, everybody say the process of time. Listen, the process of time is when that farmer puts that seed in the ground until the harvest. But let me tell you what that farmer is going to do. He's going to start building grain bins if needed. He's going to start. Listen, I'm telling you, the, just the minute we planted the last seed in the ground, we started working on the combine. For those of you who might not understand, that a combine is the, is the piece of equipment that goes out and harvests the rice or the soybeans or the corn. You know, uh, with it, we started working on getting it ready. We planted in faith that that seed of a soybean we put in the ground one day was going to be a harvest that we'd go out with that combine and harvest it. And we would work hard during the summer to get it ready. That Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat. That just speaks the best. First fruit is not, not your rinky dink. I used to get so angry to people that would bring clothes or food out to the Navajo Indian and the clothes weren't fit to haul out there and the food was what they wouldn't eat. 
We began a ministry up at Fort Pilla, uh, the uh, maximum security prison when it was built up there near Fort Pilla. And we were one of the first groups that got qualified to go in. And every Christmas, we would do a Christmas banquet for them in lockdown. We had to give them their Christmas through a little slot. We had to kneel down on the floor because the slot wasn't up here. So we could look at it. They'd raise the lid up, and we'd poke, uh, poke what? We would pass through. That's better. Food. But can I tell you what we do? That day, women in the church at Dyersburg would cook fresh fried pies and fresh cake and fresh this and fresh that. You know what many of them would tell me? Y'all care about us. That the other groups come in here and give us three, give us three-week-old Twinkies. I don't eat three-week-old Twinkies. Do you? I have, but I don't choose to. In fact, I knelt down one day, and the guy said that to me. He said, y'all really care about us. You're bringing us, you're, you're bringing us fresh stuff, and you care about us. And I said, yes, we do. And, and, and with that, and, and he said, well, don't talk to me. He said, you're being good to him. Don't talk to me about your Jesus. I'm a Muslim. And God spoke. And I said, well, you got two nieces in Hughes, Arkansas, and they're praying for you, and you got an aunt that raised you, and she's praying for you, and they're not Muslim. You know what he said to me? They've been letting you read my records. I said, no, I haven't read anything. Well, how do you know that? I said, because I talked with God and he talked back to me. You know what he did? He wasn't a Muslim when we left there that day. We led him to the Lord. He gave his heart back to God. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, peer pressure of prison. He became a Muslim to fit in. Or, am I making sense to you? But he did not respect Cain in his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. See, the spirit of Cain is alive and well today in the church. It says, don't talk to me or challenge me about money. The person that left here, because I used to say you can't be in covenant with me if you don't tithe and give offerings and honor this, <clears throat> went to a relative of his who had a son in this church, Who's never, and this person never heard me preach, but he taught, he, his son's not here anymore. In fact, he's going, going through a divorce, everything with that. And he, he convinced his son, said, all that preacher does is want your money. Well, let me, let me just share something with y'all. Susan Nash and I get, are the largest givers to CityGate Church on the record. We give more money to this church than anybody else in this house. And let me tell you the second part of that. We don't tithe here. Because you tithe to a life source, and CityGate's not a life source to us. We're a life source to it. We give our tithe to Dutch Sheets. And we give offerings to Chuck Pierce. And we sow into Becca Greenwood. And we sow into my, a man who's not my spiritual father, but a mentor to me, Roger Teal. Are you hearing me? And so don't talk to me about the stuff don't work. It has to work. You know, it has to work. It doesn't say, don't talk to me or tell me about money. Cain lost his destiny by what he did at offering time. Offering time is always test time. <clears throat> I think the next time I teach First Fruit Dan, I'm going to say, I'm not going to call it uh, First Fruit Sunday. I'm going to call it Test Time Sunday. <laughs> but I'm also going to put it on there, open book test. <laughs> open the book and read it. 2 Corinthians 8, 8. I speak not by commandment. But I am testing the sincerity of your love 
by the diligence of others. Let me just tell you, I say this quite often. I'm not interested in your gifting. I'm interested in your hearts of loyalty. You can come here not gifted. I can bring you a gift. I thought a while ago when Natalie started prophesying. You know, Natalie grew up in a ministry home. Natalie's been around the prophetic, but I heard something on another level on her a while ago. And I thought, you know, it's in there. I, I realize it is, but I heard her prophesy on another level. And I have to tell you, just like when Georgia Joy took her first steps, when Georgia Joy is potty trained, you're going to I was a proud daddy a while ago. I thought, yeah, that's my daughter. When I hear Matt write a song or the worship go, or I hear Chris, or I hear Jennifer, or I hear any of you, we go to another level because it's about equipping and aligning. See, when the children of Israel marched in the land, God said the first city belonged to them. He's always practiced first fruit. Joshua 6, verse 17 through 19. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. Isn't it interesting that God chose a harlot to live out of that whole city, and that's where we get Jesus today. You know what he's saying? I can redeem what I choose to redeem. And I'm thankful that 37 years ago, he reached down and redeemed me, redeemed our marriage. I'm thankful that he did that. Aren't you thankful for his redemption? Woo. And she and all who are with her and all in her house because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. Let you become accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all, somebody say all. The silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Through giving, next slide, God the first and the best, they consecrated the conquest of the Lamb. How many of you got some conquest ahead of you this year? Let me just share with you. I heard it this morning. I'm aware of one situation in the house, but I heard the Lord say, today's first fruit is going to give someone a breakthrough with the IRS. You've got a situation with the IRS, and they're going to give you a breakthrough. I'm, I, like I said, I'm aware of one situation because I pray for that situation all the time, but I believe that's to more than the one I'm aware of. So if you've got something hanging over your head with the IRS, let, let me just tell you, there's only one thing I fear more than the IRS, and that's God himself. I, I want to tell you, uh, I was audited years ago. Oh, my gracious, almost... You know, I'm pretty strong, but the stress of it was, was greater than I could ever believe. See, Abraham's offering of Isaac was a first fruits offering. Genesis 22, 1 and 2. Now, it came to pass after the thing, God tested Abraham. How many of you have read that scripture over, I think, in the book of James? No one say when he's tested, he was tested of God. You've got to understand the fullness. God doesn't send a test to prove you'll fail. He sends a test to prove you're greater than you realize you are. Amen? <clears throat> I was ministering to someone on Facebook recently. I, I, to be truthful with you, they're from my past. They say they went to school with me. I don't remember them. But they lost a spouse. And I've been ministering to them. And they said to me, you always have the words that I, that I need to hear. No, I don't. 
Holy Spirit does. I'm not ministering out of my strength. They don't really know who I am. They follow me on Facebook. They don't know who I am today, but I know how to bring comfort because I know how to listen to Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? And he said, here I am. God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take, your, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. See, God won't ask for what you love. Grace, that's a word for you. About your son. And let me just tell you, I'm not trying to stir your emotion. I pray over your son. Probably not as much as you do as a mom. But I'm, I, I, I'm probably in the top five praying over him. Might be in the top two with you. But that, didn't know you would be here today, but when I was studying this week and going on refreshing myself with that, I, I found myself praying that you would have the grace to just totally release to the Lord. And I'm not trying to draw answer, but I want you to know I'm standing with you because there's a call of God on your son's life. God has great things planned. And right now, from my vantage point, I don't know where you're at. It don't look like none of it can come to pass. But I want to tell you, God's greater than any circumstance. And God is a redeemer. But he'll ask you for what you love. By offering Isaac the first, he consecrated a nation of people and their destiny in God. Also, the prophetic promise Abraham carried then became a sworn oath. Genesis 22, 16 and 17, he said, By myself I've sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. What that settle on you? We've got a, someone, some part of this house been visiting today. Sylvia is here today, and she just, can I share what you texted me this week about? She just texted me this week, and all her student loan, gone dissipated are you hearing me I remember five or six years ago in this house she came and stood before me on first fruit Sunday and said I'm giving this to get out of my student loans I need them paid off they're hanging over me she didn't give up you know how many years ago six five or six years ago at least maybe say you've been gone three years now haven't you with that, but anyway, several years ago, are you hearing me? She fought in faith, and they were. I don't even know the details of how they were, but they're paid. Let me just tell you that paid in full. No matter if her great uncle paid for them, I don't care if if Uncle Sam. You want to come testify? Come up here. It's a good place for it. I'm about to finish up. It's just twelve oh two. I'm doing good. Uh, well, that's true. The federal government, they paid off my student loan debt. I had like $23,000 worth of student loan debts. So they sent me an email, and then they sent me an actual letter. I actually printed it off because I wanted to frame it because at first I was shocked because I had been calling them probably like twice a week. I applied last July, um, and it, it's just a long process because it's the federal government. Of course, they want all your business, but if they're going to pay off your loans, just give them what they need. Um, and so when I called the lady back after I got the information, I was like, um, well, I just made a payment like probably like two weeks or a week before I got the email. And then she said, well, let me check because they're going to send you 
the Department of Treasury will refund you every payment over what you paid based on your discharge date. And so last week, I checked my box. They sent me four checks in the mail, plus they made two deposits in my account. And they wiped out my student loan debt. So, and that was part of my first fruits. I mean, I just put on there, like I type out, you know, what I'm believing God for when I, um, when I give towards first fruits. And I was like, you know, I want to be 100% debt free. And, um, you know, student loan debt, it was, you know, this was before I bought a home. I bought a home last year and, and the student loan debt was just, you know, I had just been dealing with it for so many years. And I was like, God, I just know that you're going to do this. You know, they have this program out there, and I'm just going to believe and trust by faith, and I'm going to sow this seed in faith, knowing I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm just going to trust in your perfect timing that it's going to be wiped out, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, the federal government really don't just give you money, but the federal government paid off my student loans, and they sent me checks in the mail. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. I, somebody else needs to grab that, and it's not just about your student loans, it can also be about the fact of you getting into college. I feel that in my spirit. You Listen, God can do exceedingly abundantly above. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the star of the heaven and the sand on which the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Now, next slide. Make sure you're on the right one. A prophetic promise you can mess up. God does not need your help for a prophetic word to come to pass. He just needs your obedience. Amen? A sworn oath, God will fulfill. Are you hearing me? God keeps his word. Amen? He said in the Old Testament, I'm going to kill a bunch of people, and Moses talked him out of it. But you know what had to happen before Joshua and Caleb could cross over in the promised land? The very people he wanted to kill had to die. And they never got to cross over. And I love to say this because it just feels good. Pastors always want to pastor a people God wants to kill. <laughs> Listen, some people you can't help. It's not that we, we want them dead, but you don't spend your time. Let me, let me just tell you, you cannot ch help people or change people that are takers and not givers. A sworn oath God will fulfill. We should consecrate every prophetic promise we are carrying through the act of first fruits. Today, how many of you got prophetic words that's not come to pass? We got one last fall. The ark would be paid off in the next year. Well, we're going to sow into that today, Susan. We were talking on the way here about some things we were going to sow first. I'm going to sow into that today. I want to sow out of money for the art into that today because I, we want to see. I want that $700,000 debt gone. I want to build a 50 by 50 tabernacle like the Lord told me. We're doing a meeting next Saturday up there. We can hold 70 people. That's it. You know, we, we've turned away another 70 that want to be there. And, and with it, but when we build that 50 by 50 tabernacle, we're, we're not going to build it to where we have a bunch, taking up a bunch of room with stage. I'm not building a church. I'm building a training center. In fact, I got a prophetic word from down in Florida when we build that 50 by 50, which is Pentecost and Jubilee and several things. It, we're going to call that building the Eagle's Nest. 
because God's going to bring eagles there and we're going we're gonna to kick them out of the nest to go be who they are. And I'm going to be teaching this coming Saturday up there on leaders and the test of leaders. Listen, you, promotion doesn't come without a test. And yes, it's four and a half to five hours away from here, but we got people driving from here to be up there. Are you hearing me? And we, I've got to get started doing these on a regular basis, but I'm going to mirror it with doing it, some of it in other places as well. In Ezekiel 44, 30, the best, the best, everybody say the best, yes. of all first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind and all your sacrifice shall be the priest. Also, you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house, yes. to rest on your house. Listen, when you rest on something, it's not stressful. It's not strenuous. Need under the next slide, calls is a response to something we do. There's a call. Listen, a lot of people are calling things right now, judgment. They call it Katrina, judgment. Michael, judgment. I remember back in the Andrew days when it hit Homestead, Florida, and all down in that part, judgment. That's not, listen, the nearest thing to judgment that we've got in the earth today is people are reaping what they sowed. Isn't it interesting that when the governor of Virginia came out that you could kill a baby after it was born, that he came under scrutiny for a blackface. And the attorney general there said some things himself, and now he's got all these women. Isn't it interesting, can I just say this, they're not coming under the same scrutiny Kavanaugh did. Are you hearing me? They've, they've just about put, put Uncle Joe Biden in his place. Are you hearing me? You ever been around somebody that way? Makes you uncomfortable with that? I, I'm not trying to have them guilty, but I, I believe they're innocent until proven guilty. But I, but I have to tell you, we, we've got to realize how the spin is on. Rest, it's not temporary, but it comes to stay. Amen? It comes to stay. How many of you want it to rest up on your house? That when it speaks of your house, it, it, it's not just the structure, it's your lineage. My youngest grandchild is Hannah Rain. I want to tell you, there are blessings that will be on Hannah because of the faithfulness of, of, of Susan and I. There will be blessings that, that rest upon her children one day. 613 years after King David was dead, God looked down at one of his descendants and gave mercy and he said, the reason he did, because of the faithfulness of David, your ancestor. That's as far as I tracked it. I did like a four-year study, and I tracked it 613 years later. Listen, when he says, I'll make a blessing rest upon your house, it keeps going down and down and down and down. We've got to turn this thing around. People are living under generational curses, not blessed. How about us, let's let our words be more about generational blessing than curses. I believe that I'm operating in some generational verses, a uh, uh, blessing that come down from a lady by the name of Suke Dawes or Susanna Jackson, who was full-blooded Cherokee, who was a preacher of the gospel. I believe I'm living under blessings of William Tillman Nash, who had 13 kids, who is my great-great-grandfather, who I'm the spitting image of, who I find out was a deacon in the first Christian church down near Copeland Ridge, Arkansas. See, I believe that their righteousness is there. 
your lineage. How do we function in first fruits? Let's finish this up. Yearly. Am I going to give you, I already read the scripture. Situationally, new projects, new businesses, new ministries, etc. Should be consecrated and aligned through first fruits. Alignment is about conquest. I had someone that used to be part of this house, moved away. We saw them start their first business. We, I remember when we, we uh, commissioned them to start their first business. Just texted me recently and told me, he said, I want you to know, I'm still expecting when I come into my millions to be a supporter of you. We sowed something in it. I had someone come here on Christmas quite a few years ago and brought me $5,000. Said, years ago, you taught me how not to be a manager of my own business, but to, to, to be an owner of it. You shifted me, and you've helped me become very, very wealthy by doing that. But it's out of counsel that's giving uh, with that. Are you hearing me? New project, new business, new ministries, etc., should be consecrated and aligned through first fruits. Sacrificially and in faith, six, Luke 6, 38. Give. Everybody say give. Yeah. Uh, let's change that word. So. And it will be given to you or sown back into you. Good measure. Everybody say good measure. Good measure. Amen. Now, let me tell you what good measure is. It's when you go to cut a piece of metal and you need a piece of metal that's eight foot long. You got some laying out there and, and you go out there and look and it's a, it's a full eight foot. It's not, it's not seven foot, six inches when you need an eight foot. That's what good measure is. In other words, you've got the piece you need at the time you need it. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be put into your bosom. Let me tell you another term for good measure. Baker's dozen. Anybody know what a baker's dozen is? It's 13. Amen? You need a baker's dozen. In other words, completely filled and overrun, running over, it will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it it will be measured back to you. Next slide, hear God. We encourage everyone to hear the Lord and be extravagant. Be extravagant. Be extravagant. How do you be extravagant? Starts with being intentional. Starts with being sacrificial. It starts with something significant. Here's what I want to do. It's 12.13. I think I did pretty good with this today, time-wise. I want you to just get very solemn and ask the Lord what you're to do. If you're giving, if you want to make a pledge today or a vow, I didn't look up the date of it. Somebody wants to do that for me, but 50 days from now, if you want to pay it off, you want to, want to take 50 days to pay it off. You can do that. If you're making a check, I, I think there should be first fruits envelopes in the chairs. Somebody look there and let me know that they are. They're different. Please use them. First fruits is different from tithes and offering. Matt has something. I'm going to let him. But I want you to ask the Lord. Let, let me just share something with you. Some of you, I'm seeing you sitting on a, a very pivotal place today. And if you look at what you don't have to give or you look at having less because you give, you're not, you're not receiving a kingdom insight into this. It's sacrificial. Years ago, in the 90s, Susan and I were on the front row. Someone else was teaching first fruits. 
I think that particular Sunday or that particular time is Robert Henderson. And, and we had came there that, that morning going to sub 1500. And we got there and I knew we were supposed to give more. She knew. I looked at her and she said 2,000. Uh, and I said, no, 4,000. She said, Clay, I don't think we can give 4,000. I said, we're, we're going we're gonna to give a pledge. We're going to make a vow. And she said, well, I just don't know if I'm at peace with it. And I looked at her and I said, you know that one particular gun that I have that's worth all that money? She said, yeah. I said, I'll sell it so we have the money to pay first fruits. And she looked me in the eye and she said, you've heard from God, haven't you? And I said, yeah. And we gave the 4000 that day. We, part of it we gave, part of it we made a pledge. And I never had to sell the gun. In fact, I think we had a return on it in about 10 or 15 days. It was amazing. It was, it was a part of our learning process, like what Susan said about the 348000 It was all God teaching me. So ask the Lord what you're to do today. I was teaching some songwriters and worship leaders a week or two back in a, in a group session, and I was talking to them about the songs that we write and the songs that the Lord gives to us and the songs that we're cultivating and being able to do that with other people, co-writing, writing in groups, collaborating together. And it's, it's difficult to do that if you haven't done it. If you've been a songwriter on your own and then you all of a sudden present something and then it starts to change and the outcome is different. And it's a very personal thing. And sometimes you get grieved or frustrated or upset that your song or your verse or your stanza is turning into something else. And it's not what you, the, the outcome that it was intended in your mind or whatever. And I told them this, I said, stop hanging on so tightly to something that the Lord gave you. Stop holding on so tightly to something that you feel and you say that God's given you. If God's given it to you, to share with other people, to collaborate with others, then take their feedback and, and make it into something that's bigger than you. And oftentimes, the reason that we're so frustrated or have such a hard time letting go of something is because we're holding too tightly to it. And this is the same thing with our finances. And I wanted to share a couple of quotes as I was thinking about this today. F.W. Borum says, any fool can do what he can do, but it takes a man of some faith to do what he cannot do. Stop holding so tightly to something that God has ultimately given you. And so graciously to the Lord. I'm not trying to up your offering right now. I'm not trying to tell you to give more, but I'm telling you to give sacrificially. Because I was reflecting on the Old Testament worshipers like Abraham, Moses, like Noah, or, or like David and Solomon. One thing that they all did in common is that they built altars to the Lord. Noah and Abraham were pre-Hebrew, pre-Israelite, pre-promise, so to say, not really promise, but pre-Hebrew, and they still made altars to the Lord. Moses, when he crossed the Red Sea, made an altar to the Lord. Joshua, when he crossed the Jordan, made an altar to the Lord. Not just little altars. They, it took effort and energy and collaboration to build those altars. It took finances. What David did with the tabernacle, what Solomon did with the temple, it took resources to build an altar. But they did it 
out of their love for God and out of their heart to have God dwell in a place. And I wonder today, what kind of altars are we building? What kind of sacrifices are we making to see God be glorified? It's going to take a large amount of sacrifice in order for us to see a huge promise come to pass in our life. And it should be a joy for us to want to sacrifice and lay down something that God's already given us. Stop holding so tightly to the things that God's giving us. So I want to say that again. A fool can do what he can do, but it takes a man or a woman of some faith to do what they cannot do. So set your heart to give. Let go. Those white knuckles of yours holding on to finances or economy or whatever it is. God's given it to you in the first place. Just give back and trust. It's a, it's a moment of faith to sow. All these stories that you hear him talk about, it's pretty much all he's full of is all these stories. They're, they're altars. They're, they're moments of giving God thanks and praise. Abraham built an altar of prayer, an altar of peace, an altar of praise. Like he built altars to the Lord. And the Lord didn't necessarily say, build me an altar. Abraham just did it, and it honored God. So you might not be hearing from God, give this exact amount. But your sowing and your offering to the Lord is going to honor him. You don't have to wait until God says, give $1,000, give $100, give $4,000. Just give. Just make an altar before the Lord. Just honor him with your finances. Honor him with your first fruits. Amen? You know, let, let's get real, uh, people. You know, some people pray and get results. Some people pray and don't get any results. It's simple. It's if you don't follow protocol on the earth realm through tithes and offerings, you can't fight this battle. You can pray all you want. You can do whatever you want to do and get no results because the protocol of tithe still speaks on the earth realm. The protocol of first fruits offering and offerings. They fight your battles. When Nisha was in the hospital, uh, was rushed, rushed to the ER on Friday, March 8th, her paycheck had come on Friday, March 8th, and I forgot about it during the hustle bustle, and I could see the devourer was de trying to devour her life, our crop, our fruits, our, you know, our ground. The Holy Spirit immediately reminded me, cut your tithe immediately to stop the enemy dead on tracks. And I immediately went to the citygate.org and cut my tithe right away. Uh, guess what? He was stopped dead on tracks. Tithe still works on the earth realm when you are meeting up with all sorts of emergency and the enemy trying to finish your family off. Cut your tithe. Your prayer doesn't work alone at that time. You need to know there are certain protocols, certain rules of engagement here on earth that you have to wield so that you can stop the enemy on tracks. Your offerings, your first word offerings, you know, there's no, if you look at any wealthy businessman, any successful people, they had sold first words, whether they know it or not. Today, you know, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, these are not Christians, but they all have sold in their share of offerings. They've dedicated 90% or more of their income to humanity, to curing cancer or curing the sickness, to illness. Heaven hears and listens. Cornelius was not a believer. The Bible says the father, father, Heavenly Father stood up and looked at Cornelius and said, Man, this guy is not even a believer. 
but the alms and the stuff that he used to give to the poor haven't witnessed it. So you know, put where your uh, put your mouth where your you know how, what do you say that for that? Put where your uh, put your money where your mouth is, or however that is. Let's let's not just talk. Let's start bringing in our tithes and offerings so that not for Apostle Clay or Susan, not for Citygate, for your own life. You're fighting a battle here. You're waging a warfare. You got to know how to engage in this warfare. So true. As the old saying goes, the proof's in the pudding. You know, I, I haven't said this in a long time, but if, if first fruits is new to you, if you'll do it in faith, four times, we do it two times a year, you can do it in between then. If you'll do it four times and you don't feel like you've prospered, if you'll come to me and sit and talk with me, I'll give you everything you gave back. That's how much I know it'll work. Now, you got you can't just, you know, it's kind of like you can't tip God. The tithe's not a tip. Amen? We used to have a waitress. John Daly used to have a sports bar here in town, made the best Reuben sandwich in town, I thought. And we'd go there sometimes, and the girl at work there loved to wait on our table. And, and she told us she worked out at Alexandria's at Wolf Chase. said Sunday was the worst day. I'm going to tell you what group she said, but you, she saw three different religious groups came through. said the first ones that were there, 15 minutes after 12, they would leave tracks for tips. I'm going to tell you something. That's an abomination. Those people claim to be Christians. I don't think so. They're whitewashed tombstones full of dead man's bones. Are you hearing me? Sylvia just let me know that in Georgia right now, even in the county where she's from, there's a horrendous tornado warning and everything. So, Father, we just pray over, is it Lawrenceville or Lawrence? Lawrenceville County and where she's from in the Atlanta area where Jackie tired. Uh, Lord, we just declare safety. We declare, you know, we, we had people killed in Mississippi last night, had people killed in Texas, had people killed in Alabama. You know, with it, Father, we just declare safety over people. We, Father, let those tornadoes dissipate. Let them come to naught. In Jesus' name.